Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron is up this week. What have you brought to the table today? I have brought uh, with me Judas and the Black Messiah. All right. Um, I don't actually have it here because yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we watched it on streaming and uh, you know, film is a uh, you know antiquated oh. term. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the movie, um, the very powerful movie, yeah. uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, so I shared this a little bit in our last episode. Um, this part of the story, uh, this this is part of the story of the life of Fred Hampton, um, the chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Um, he was surveilled by the FBI and the Chicago Police Department um, and then murdered in his home while he was asleep. Uh, so this movie follows a story of all of a lot of that um and also bill o'neill who was the fbi's informant uh, and fed them information about the floor plan for the party's offices and for hampton's home um and i know that sounds like a whole lot of spoilers but all of that is historical yes um record so you know you know these things kind of kind of going in yeah um but it doesn't take away from the powerfulness of the of the actual film and watching it unfold and the performances, everything, because the way that it was done was remarkable. Yeah. Just super Absolutely. powerful. Um, Daniel Kaluuya just like channeled Chairman Fred um, in this kind of amazing way. It was like an embodiment um, in a similar way that I think uh, Denzel channeled Malcolm X. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Right. Like I, I yeah. felt there's some parallels in the performances there. Um, and this is obviously a fictionalized version of some of the events, right? Um, as we don't necessarily know the full details of some of the stuff that is portrayed, um, in the, in the scenes in the film, but we do know a lot of this is, you know, historical fact, yes. um, because of documentation, firsthand accounts of, of surveillance, um, you know, uh, files being released by the FBI and surveillance things being released and so we we do know that a lot of it is also accurate um in how it's portrayed so yeah i'm looking forward to this conversation because there's a lot a lot here a lot to discuss um and also this is the first time we're talking about a movie um so that's also oh yeah i think interesting uh as well as we think about the kinds of media that we bring to the table to discuss um with one another and how we how we learn from those things right like we brought Ted Lasso, which is a very different thing and, and <laughs> just a little bit, you know, but also fiction. Um, and I guess we yeah. brought documentaries, but that's yeah, our documentaries. first movie. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think about that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I agree. This is an incredible movie. Um, this was actually, I think, my second time watching it. And so I feel like this time I was able to sort of pay attention a little bit more to some scenes. You know, I caught some moments and some dialogue mm-hmm. that I that I didn't pick up on the first time, which, you know, was always just kind of awesome. Um, and I, and it really just made me appreciate 
this film even more than I already did. Yeah. Um, so I highly encourage everyone listening, you know, to check this out. I think it's a must watch. Um, if you haven't yeah, seen it agree. already, it's out on HBO is where we watched mm -hmm. it. Right. Um, and you know, and I think, and you alluded to this, like one of the reasons why it's such an incredible film is the acting, right? Like it's incredible, yeah. you know, uh, Daniel and Lakeith Stanfield, like they just both knock it out of the park. So um, I, I'm a big fan of this movie. And, you know, I, I think what it did, it did a number of things for me, right? You know, for one, it it really made me appreciate so much about Fred Hampton as a person, as an activist, um, as an organizer. And, and I feel like this film just gives us so much of his story and his work, yeah. right? Like we just sort of see that in action and part of that is, you know, how he's portrayed um, by, by such a, an incredible actor. But um, the film gives us so much of his story and his, and his work, you know, and I also think sort of one of the best things about this film is you know, in a, in a way it sort of serves as vindication, right. Uh, or mm. as this way to honor Fred Hampton's legacy, right. Which I think is fantastic and, and, and so well-deserved, you know, um, especially given that he was murdered by the FBI and the Chicago police department at just 21 years old, yeah. like 21, yeah. you know, so it's incredible to sort of think about, you know, if he were to have been able to survive that or, or just not been murdered, like what else he would have been able to do? Yeah. Um, because just at, at 21, I mean, he was doing some really incredible things. And so, you know, I think I think the other thing I sort of have reflected on after watching this movie is just, you know, how it helps to show us that even though this all took place back in the 60s, right? And this is a story uh, from the 1960s. Like this is a story that has real relevance today right yeah yeah absolutely i think um there's a lot of connections for today and i think i didn't really read a lot of reviews about the movie but i remember some um talking about like this being uh a story for today like based in the history yes of, right um and so there's, a, I think, a lot of parallels there that I think will come out in, in some of our conversation today. Yeah, no um, doubt. You know, I'm guessing. Um, and, you know, you mentioned what kind of other things he might have been able to do if he hadn't been assassinated so young. He, he would have just turned 73 last week. Wow. Right? Um, wow. Which I think puts things into perspective um, a lot. Um you know, and he's survived by his fiance and his son, um, who he was born just a few weeks after his death. Um, and, you know, they've both done their own work in movements and, and continue to do work um, for liberation. Yes. Um, you know, and I, I think he said so much that is relevant today um, in terms of challenging power structures and creating services for communities that directly serve those communities yes. that have been ignored by, you know, government and and power structures so like the free breakfast program um is part of the story here um and that that's a big part i think of the legacy of the black panther party yes. um and the medical clinic that they were working on establishing in this movie is is part of that story too um and so there's so much here that's like showing what um the purpose was and what what the politics were and the platform um, and sort of political vision that they had for shifting what power looks like and, and who 
is served and who has determination over what their lives look like. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of that I think is still, you know, relevant for today. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and, and, you know, back to the point about acting, I think, you know, Daniel Kaluuya and, and Lakeith Stanfield were both incredible, but I yes. also think, um, Basically, everybody was. Yeah. Um, but I want to especially shout out kind of Dominique Fishback, um, mm-hmm. who was really great as Deborah Johnson, um, who was Hampton's fiance. Um, so, yeah, on the whole, I think all the performances were excellent. Like even thinking about like what Jesse Plemons is, yeah. the FBI agent, um, you know, in his own uh, what nefarious like that the kind of portrayal of of that. Um, and then uh, Martin. Sheen mm-hmm. um as Jagger Hoover like and and that his portrayal um he doesn't give it a lot of screen time but not, the not way that he um comes through in that you're like yeah that seems pretty accurate based yeah. on some of the footage that we've seen of, of Hoover um in in some of the documentaries we watched so I yeah I thought the whole on the whole the all performances were were just great yeah I'm glad you gave them all a shout out right like Martin Sheen you're right he doesn't get a lot of screen time but he certainly makes the most of the time we see him on screen and and his acting is phenomenal um we were joking earlier folks about jesse plemons looking like matt damon um yeah he was really incredible and then dominique fishback yeah i mean i i i was sort of um sort of raptured by the scene of her sort of listening to um you know her fiance stand up and sort of address the the crowd of folks and sort of you know he was really just giving this sort of commanding speech and you know you can see some of the um the pain she's feeling right around sort of what he's saying and and the ways in which you know she's thinking about the fact that this is the father of my child that I'm carrying right, right. and and he's talking sort of openly about you know, I might die, right? Like I, I could die doing this work, right? And she's sort of trying to reckon that in her mind of like, well, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want you to die, right? I, I want right. you to be here for our child. Um, but also sort of, you know, she was sort of his ride or die, right? Like she was there through it all. She was supporting mm-hmm. him. And, you know, I know she believed in that work and believed in him. Um, so yeah, Dominique yeah. really played the hell out of that role. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the acting y'all is, is incredible worth checking out this film for the acting alone. But you know, I, there's so much about this film that's that's incredible. And I think one of the sort of fascinating pieces of the film um, and about sort of Fred Hampton, right? And I think this movie sort of helps to showcase this beautifully is just how impressive he was in terms of his leadership capacity, right? Yeah. Like, and especially in terms of how gifted he was as a speaker and in yeah. his ability to interact with other activists and and young folk who were interested in joining the Black Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was amazing to watch uh, Daniel's performance to get a sense of how Fred taught young activists about the Black Panthers, yep. you know, and and what the Black Panthers believed in and, and the work that the Black Panthers were doing. Yeah, there's this moment right? where he calls out um, Lakeith Stanfield, I yes. think, right? Like he calls out Bill O'Neill, uh, the, the, it feels weird to say character because that's a real life the person is a human yeah um but calls him out because he's sort of trying to in a one of their like political education classes um you know trying to chat chat up this this young woman yeah trying to hit um, on her yeah yeah, yeah. and he, he <laughs> fred basically like leans forward is like hey what are you doing we don't do that yeah. right what and then he asked him to recite like 
I forget what it is now, but he asked them to recite like a piece of like the sort of values or code that they have chosen to to live. And so this piece, it's this piece of accountability that's present too, that I also felt like was um, validate, not validating, but really good to see too, of like, it's not just about him being a commanding speaker, but also living those values and sort of reinforcing and reminding everybody like, no, this is what we're here to do. And this is how we're going to keep moving forward together. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Right. And holding each other, each, other, yeah. each other accountable. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great scene. Um, and so there's, so part of me, you know, was sort of mesmerized by all of that. It was also really amazing to see how skilled Fred was in building the rainbow coalition. Yes. Right. And sort of the work that went into getting all of these organizations together to, to form it and all of the work, uh, towards bringing about real visible and impactful change to society. Right. Like mm -hmm. that, that was incredible to see. I think that like that just really showed a real skill there. Right. And real confidence and this clarity and mission and purpose that, that he had. Um, and I think that's such an important model for us as I think about our movements and our work today. Right. So that's yeah. sort of a big thing that's stuck out to me about this film. Uh, I, Aaron, I think related to that is something from one of the first scenes in the opening credits. You know, the yeah. movie actually shows us actual footage of the real Fred Hampton, which was awesome to see. And, you know, we, we see him addressing the rebellions that were taking place at the time in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And what Fred says is, and I'm quoting him, he says, those are not riots. Those are rebellions. People are rebelling because of conditions and not because of individuals. No individual creates a rebellion. It's created out of the conditions. And like, that's it, right? That's powerful, yep. right? Yeah. And we've talked about this before, right? We've talked about the role that conditions play um, when we're thinking about and talking about and trying to address social justice issues. And so it was amazing to, to hear Fred address that as well. And, right. and again, especially being so young and to sort of have this, uh, as I mentioned, sort of like clarity of mission and purpose. Um, and, and again, I think really just serves as good inspiration to our work and our efforts today. Yeah. I mean, that's what, um, in a different way, was there a city council person in the Baltimore documentary uh, we watched? Yes basically said the same thing to a reporter right when they were walking down the street it's like look at i mean the the so-called riot didn't board up these windows these nope. houses these row homes the plywood up there is 20 years old yep the conditions created the rebellion yes not, right like and so it it reminds us too that like um this is about today yep. in some ways like th there are direct parallels between what was being experienced um, by folks then and by folks now. Yes. So there's connections um, between all of that. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned the Rainbow Coalition. I think that's an amazing um, piece of organizing. Yes. Um, bringing together those different groups to say, hey, we, we all have a lot more in common here than we've been led to believe. Yes. We all could use a little bit of shared power in creating some some determination for our own futures for our own communities yes um right and so what happens if we work together for all of our people yeah and we all have each other's back right um that's something that i think that we're st still striving to do today that you i think you see bits and pieces of it happen here and there but um 
you know, I think that that kind of work is what makes power structures sit up and take notice. Yes. Um, Very good point. Yeah. uh, And that that's what they see as a real threat. That's what they see as really scary is that um, when we're all working together and we see that all of our conditions can improve when we connect ourselves, we bind ourselves together in mutual interest. Like that's super scary to those people in power um, when they have their you know, sitting in power in a system that has purposefully and systemically split people apart. Ooh. Right? Yes. So to sit in that seat that has purposefully sl- split people apart, to see them start to, like, to see people start to create their own power and, and bind themselves together across those differences that they've divided in us, like, and that's... I think that's terrifying. And I think that that's what like Hoover was afraid of. Right. Like that's, um, and that's what these government agencies are, are terrified of. Um, yeah. And so, you know, chairman Fred said, um, we say that we will work with anybody and form a coalition with anybody that has revolution on their mind. That's it. Yeah. And I think that that's powerful. Um, because, you know, I, I think I think of revolution as I think about sort of radical, right? Radical means grasping things at the root mm-hmm. to create a change. Yes. Um, and I think I, so to me, that's what revolution means. Um, and I, you know, I don't mean to speak for Fred Hampton here at all. Um, but I think that when you're when you're thinking about like, what are the conditions? What have create what has created those conditions? And how do we how do we change those conditions from the root up? Um, that's, I think, what we can start to like build really amazing, beautiful things together that binds all of our like sort of collective futures together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just more powerful when we're all in it together. I think, mm-hmm. Right. Right. And we've seen that demonstrated in certain wa- certain ways yeah. um, over time. Um, and so, yeah, this film was sort of a and the work that Fred did and his comrades did is a beautiful illustration of that, particularly with this Rainbow Coalition. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciate that. You know, you also sort of mentioned this idea of the power structures. Right. And I think that's yeah. such a that's another thing that really stood out to me in this film and of course in the story of Fred Hampton is is the role that the government and the FBI and 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 law enforcement play in his life and his work um and certainly in the efforts of the Black Panthers and other activist organizations right like you know again we talked about Martin Sheen and his incredible performance of J Edgar Hoover right? we see just how focused mm-hmm. J Edgar Hoover and the FBI were on labeling Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers as a threat yeah. right and they did everything they could to stop this work and 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 this fight for for social justice it was wild um and so you know and it, and it just reminds me of you know some of the conversations we've had here right even as recently as our last episode where we talked about the surveillance of black journalists and activists by the memphis police department you know happening today like in our present day right right and so you know and the le- so i think for me like the lesson i'm taking away from this is just how important it is for us to not let our progress be dictated by the government, right? Right. Like there are always going to be these forces, if you will, working against us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this work is important and we have to keep our foot on the gas. And I think your point around sort of, you know, us working together, right? And thinking about our shared interests is another incredible lesson to take from this as well. Yeah. And I think that that's so deeply connected to 
a lot of the conversations we've had here about the surveillance of organizers who are doing work that is considered radical or revolutionary yes. by these government agencies, right? Like, so it ties into, as you mentioned, the black journalists in Memphis being surveilled and the MLK FBI documentary and more. I think it also is connected to the backlash we're seeing against stuff like critical race theory yeah. or, um, you know, the 1619 project yep. or, um, other, other things like that. Um, you know, white power structures like to label things as dangerous yep. things, people, ideas, um, and then find ways to make sure that they are publicly known as dangerous and then attempt to demolish them. And so, mm. um, you know, you mentioned Hoover, um, and how much you can see how much he focused on the black Panther party, um, in the film. Uh, and so he said, without question, that the Black Panther Party represents the greatest threat to internal security of the country. Ooh. And I think another piece, another thread that I'm, I'm seeing in this moment is that in an MLK FBI documentary, um, part of the reason why the FBI continued to surveil MLK in the way that they did yeah. is because he, um, they thought that he was a communist, oh, right? Because right. yeah. he, he was connected to people who had been in the communist party yep. um, who were serving as advisors to him um, and sort of confidants and, and, and what have you. Um, and here we have the, the black Panther party who openly talk about, we have to fight capitalism with socialism. Yes. Um, right. And that racism, in the film, it's sort of portrayed in this way that racism is a product of capitalism. Yeah. Um, and so they're seeing this sort of class consciousness. And I think that's part of why the rainbow coalition started to work is because they were able to say like, you know, there's complications in all of this and there's yep. differences in how these things, these things impact us, but we're all also neglected because of our status and standing in absolutely this society based on our class. Yeah. Um, and then from there, they were able to be like, all right, yeah, I see, I see where this, this is all connected and right. And that's good um, to work. Yeah. yeah. So I know that we, we didn't, we actually didn't talk a whole lot about things that happened in the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> right yeah. there. Um, but I think, I think this feels like a good time to, to shift to application. Yes. Um, sounds good. So we, we leave it to you to, to watch the movie. We encourage you to do that. Please do. Um, it's it, it it it's very very good very good, um, but yeah. So application. I think there are lots of lessons to learn in all of this. Um, one of them, I think, is about coalitions, oh, right? Yeah. And so I I know we've spent the last few minutes talking about that kind of, but um, you know, I think we talk a lot about accountability. Um, at the moment, um, sort of across movements and also in spaces that aren't necessarily like movement type things. Um, but I think one of the things we've learned here on the podcast is we've talked about abolitionist politics and, and read different pieces of abolitionist kind of thoughts um, is about the concept of accountability coming from within yourself and like sort of yeah. around you and your community. Yes. Right. And so um that's kind of what I think accountability looks like. And I think how that's collect connected to coalitions is that I think that coalitions is what accountability looks like between groups. Mm, so yeah. if you have built a coalition and you've built a, a relationship 
between different groups who have different ideas about how they do things and are sort of representing different people. Yeah. Um, but you are in coalition with one another to align where you align and then support each other in, in other spaces. Um, I think that that's what accountability looks like in a bigger kind of sense. Um, you know, I think that's one of the lessons to learn from, from chairman Fred's rainbow coalition. Yeah. Um, when we work together in this example across race and find how our communities and lives are tied to one another. Um, I think that's where we can, you know, create some real change and, and pull things up by the root. Yeah, that connectedness piece. Mm -hmm. I always go back to that. Like we are all connected beings, right? We are yeah. in this together. Um, and so, yeah, I think that is incredible mm -hmm. application work for sure. Um, you know, I when I think about application, I can't help but think about Fred Hampton's words, some of his quotes from the mm -hmm. film. And um, there's a particular uh Thing that he says in this scene where he's addressing the Black Panthers and 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 comrades from the Rainbow Coalition after his release in jail, and this is that same scene sort of I referred to earlier with um, Dominique Fishback, sort of you know taking it all in and and, and you know watching her man up there um, yeah. and and her sort of incredible silent performance there. Um, but he says, and I'm going to quote him: "You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation." You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. You can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. And like, like just the most incredible and powerful quote there, right? And and sentiment and and description of what the fight for liberation meant to Hampton in that moment, in that time, right? But I think as application, like I was trying to sort of think about what that means. I think it also rings true today, right? Like, I mean, I certainly don't want to see death to anyone who's doing this work. Mm -hmm. But this vision for liberation and revolution and freedom is bigger than all of us. Yeah. And it is powerful. And it is what we must keep fighting for. So, you know, that quote in particular for me, I think was direct application and inspiration for the work happening right now by activists, by coalitions, um, and, and by all of us uh, for, for social justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that quote reminds me uh, so much of how movements actually work mm -hmm. um, versus how we think movements work. Yes. Um, where there are many leaders um, and you can't get rid of just one to end a movement. Right. Um, when you're in a coalition of people working together and you're all contributing, then it cannot be stopped by, you know, one person being removed from the work at work yep. because people have joined together to do that work. Yep. Um, you know, and I think so much of what we think about some of these uh, pieces of history are that it was this one person who stood up and did X, Y, Z. And then, you know. Rosa Parks is an example uh, yes. or uh, Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X. And it's like, well, those were great figures who did great things and they had support behind them yes. to help them do what they were doing. Yes, without um, a doubt. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about homework. All right. Um, I think my homework is I want to read a little bit more about Fred Hampton and listen to his speeches. Okay. Um, I know there isn't too much out there, um, because as we said, his life was taken, you know, far too early. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I would, I'd like to do that and, and read a little bit more directly about what he said. Yes. Um, but I also want to look into 
um, and, and learn a little bit more about Akua and Jiri's life. Okay. Um, she's formerly known as Deborah Johnson. Um, and after the assassination of Fred Hampton, she dedicated her life to the continued work of justice and liberation. Yes. Um, and so she was also consulted for this film and was present for some of the film, filming, including the assassination scene, and oh, guided um, a lot of the production in terms of like, um, you know, sharing what her personal experience was um, in different moments in Fred's life, um, yeah. positive and obviously, you know, traumatic and, and awful. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to sort of learn a little bit more about her. Um, because she's also obviously a very important figure in um, what the party did and, yes. and what they're able to accomplish because she was working on all of those programs that I talked about earlier, free breakfast, um, the medical clinic, and and other things too. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't imagine sort of being a consultant for that, right, and sort of trying yeah. to tell the filmmakers about these scenes, right, that scene in particular, right? Um, mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's awesome. I think... I'd love to do those things. I'd also sort of, I think generally, I want to do some more reading about the Black Panther Party, right? Like we, there's a lot out there about the Black Panthers and what they do. And I certainly know a lot about their story and history and work. Um, but there are quite a few books out there about the Black Panthers and about Fred Hampton too, um, that I certainly would like to check out. Um, one of the most recent books that I saw that just um, came out back in 2020 um, is a book called Black Power After Lives, The Enduring Significance of the Black Panther Party. And it looks, I believe it looks at sort of the Black Panthers and how the Panthers influence, influenced modern grassroots activism and, and liberation movements. So I think there's probably some really awesome stuff in there that I, I'm excited to sort of read and, you know, uh, sort of calling that my homework um, after watching this film. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of, I think, uh, more attention on sort of the Panthers, right, in the wake of this film and some other things that have been happening um, sort of in, in culture. Um, I know Throughline had a really great episode about the Panthers where they interviewed Donna Murch, right. um, who's a historian and, and wrote a book a while back called Living for the City, Migration, Education, and the Rise of the Black Panther Party in Oakland, California, um, and then also had... Uh, has written another book that's more recent, um, I believe, um, that was called Revolution in Our Lifetime. Yes. And that's also about the Black Panther Party. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot out there to continue to like sort of dive into and learn about. And learn more from. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, Damien, you're up next week. Uh, what do you bring to the table in our next episode? Yeah. All right. So I'm bringing an article to the table for us next time. It's called The Next Gerrymandering Nightmare Has Begun. Oof. Yeah. And uh, it's by John Nichols and was published uh, last month in, in August of 2021 on The the Nation. So you can find it on their website, thenation.com. Um, and this article really highlights the it highlights the recent release of the 2020 census data, which I'm sure we'll also talk a little bit about on the episode. Right. Yeah. Um, and and the article warns us about what the GOP legislators may want to do um, now that that census data has been released um, and what they may be able to do um, as a result of that data. So um, I, it seemed like it's going to be a really it looks to be an intriguing article. Um, and so I want to read 
read it and talk about this issue because I think in particular gerrymandering is such an important topic and has direct implications for social justice, right? Um, and we've, we've talked a little bit about that here on the show before as well. So, you know, although I haven't read the article yet, I'm sure uh, it'll lead us to talk about lots of things and, and take us in, in many different directions. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like... Um you know, the next thing to be outraged about. Um, ah, yes. Yeah. It's one of the things I've been thinking about and, and, and doing since what to that, like for over 20 years. Yep. So, um, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we would like to thank you for joining us today and for listening to interdependent study. Um, you know what I'm going to ask you to do here, but you know, maybe you forgot. Um, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with the people in your life. Uh, follow us on social media, sign up for our email list to get notified about new things we might have going on behind the scenes. Um, buy some merch if you are so inclined. Um, hoodie season is coming up soon. And That's we got some right. Very cozy hoodies Come listed on uh, online. But um, yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening, folks. And remember, it's not about us but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>